Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Isn't it funny, though, that every year somebody tries to come up with new, some new Christmas song, and I'd love to be, oh, hey, we got, like, this is great. This is going to be a new classic, and they, they all suck. Dusty Fidelis, holy man, dry. That's not the words, but you know what I'm talking about. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> Oh, the danger of speaking into a hot mic when you're not on the air. Anything you say can and will be used against you. And I'm very impressed that you know the words to the title of Adeste Fidelis. You don't know anything beyond that, but you at least know the words to the title of the song. I'll be be humming the crap out of that song tomorrow night. (laughs) I won't acting like I know the words and doing all that, but... I, I you know I don't you know, know there is there is an there is an English version of that song you're aware of that already. I know you know what's You've even worse in the second verse he says it all in English I mean and I still don't know the words so I'm still not good with it yeah. but I like the classics that's what I like like two guys are only really what I want on my radio for most of the Christmas Eve Christmas night and that's Bing Crosby and Nat King Cole to me those are like the classics uh, that I torture my family with over and over uh, these next few nights. There's so much more than that. I know. There, there, I there's know. Perry Como. Yes. There's Andy Williams. If you're talking about the old, old stuff, and uh, and and then you've got the the Jose Feliciano, Feliz Navidad. You have to sprinkle that in once or twice. It gives you it no gives doubt. you the mood in a different kind of way. It it's does. very peppy. Right. You know, too many of the Christmas songs are a little slow for my liking. I'm big into the little drummer boy. Sure. Thing and Classic. all the different versions. Yes. All the different versions. L- let me tell you, if, if you've got what, whatever Spotify or what, whatever music app you use, yeah. Johnny Cash has a lot of great covers generally, but he does a lot of great Christmas songs. And some of them are a little cheesy. They reflect the time when they were done. But it's Johnny Cash's voice singing these Christmas songs. You can't go wrong. I got to check that Johnny out. Cash yeah, that does sound good. Anything. He and and and, so, and he's he does the and, and again this is completely unrelated to the topic of Christmas. He's got covers of songs that you would never dream he sang a cover of, and they actually work. So check out Johnny Cash on your your favorite musical app, and Merry Christmas to everyone. And Merry Christmas, Happy Festivus, uh, because it is Festivus. And coming up later in the program, we will have a segment with an airing of grievances that is not the perfunctory three minutes and out the door. It is something more meaningful. And as the Seinfeld account indicates, the ultimate grievance for 2020 is simply this. 2020, duh. Uh, The entire year, 
everything about it. Are they trying to get us to go to break already by playing the music, or is this just to set the mood? <laughs> I'm, I'm the conditioned mood. now. I'm like, I'm like mood, Pavlov's baby. dog. That music, now that I hear the music, for a long time I didn't hear the music because I just didn't want the distraction, but they've realized they need to play the music to get me to shut up. So I hear the music, and I think, boy, that was a fast first segment, but no, we're only three minutes in. Good morning to anyone who may be watching on Peacock TV or NBCSN or listening on Sirius XM 211, and Merry Christmas to our friends in the UK and Ireland who are watching the program on Sky Sports Live in prime time. So, Chris, let's uh, let's get into it. Yeah. There's still plenty of things happening throughout the National Football League. Week 16 is coming. And there was a little bit of a controversy that emerged yesterday. And 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 look, I don't care what a guy does in his personal time. We're going to talk about that coming up. And I'm going to try to explain the difference between leaving guys alone when left to their own devices and engaged in behavior that may be completely irrelevant to their work and guys who are breaking COVID-19 protocols because that's not irrelevant to their work because they may bring COVID-19 to the workplace at a time when they're trying to hold a football season together. Dwayne Haskins, the Washington quarterback, spotted Sunday night celebrating the vic- uh, the loss to the Seattle Seahawks at a strip club with no masks or other personal protective equipment that would prevent him from getting COVID-19. And it all hit the fan yesterday. And it was still kind of vague and unclear. A couple of people reported that the Washington football team was aware of it, Chris, and they were dealing with it. And, and then Dwayne Haskins apologized yeah right and it was a a clear acceptance of responsibility possibly not written by him but nevertheless adopted by him on a twitter account that he would eventually delete he may have resurrected it by now who knows but look this is an issue for the washington football team because you have a guy who is blatantly violating the protocols regardless of where he went it could be a movie theater a strip club a nightclub a restaurant Anywhere, if you're doing something that violates the agreed-to protocols between the NFL and the NFLPA about where you can and can't go and what you can and can't do, that's a problem because you're potentially bringing the virus to the building. And Washington's in first place in their division. This isn't a team that's yeah, out of that's it. out of it, right. This is a team that's in it. And for the guy who's had an opportunity to resurrect his career lately by virtue of the Alex Smith injury, this is one of the ultimate unforced errors, Chris. Uh, ultimate. I mean, uh, unforced errors and and really like a lot of different ways too. That's that's where I just don't understand it. I mean, one like like you said, yeah, they're in the playoff race. Okay, that's great. All right, two. Hey, obviously it's a pandemic. I mean, come on, what are we doing here? You know, to go into uh, any club, bar, strip club, whatever, that type of environment is just incredibly careless, let alone against NFL protocols. Then Okay, let's take it a step further. There's the pandemic and all that stuff, right? I mean, just the look of being okay in the strip club Sunday after a loss. Listen, I'm with you. I mean, guys, do do what you do. That's fine. That's fine. But that's still not the look that a franchise quarterback or a guy that wants to be a franchise quarterback should be trying to portray to the football team in Washington or any of the other teams in football that – you know, might want his services depending on what happens after this year or going into next year. We don't know where Dwayne Hassan is going to be. So that in itself is just disturbing. You know, when you become a franchise quarterback, as you know, I mean, hey, the guy, he, he wants to be that guy. Well, you know, then you have to kind of be that guy off the field. Not that you have to be perfect and a Boy Scout and do those type of things, but when you're out having a good time after a loss and in a lot of ways – you can pin that loss on you, then that's an issue. And then it also just speaks to the bigger picture issues of Dwayne Haskins and everything we've heard over the last two years about immaturity and all of that. So, yeah, like just annoyed. I'm, I'm annoyed by it. I want to publicly apologize for my actions this past Sunday, he said on Twitter. I spoke with Coach Rivera yesterday and took full responsibility for putting the team at risk. It was irresponsible and immature of me, and I accept responsibility for my action. I also want to apologize for creating distraction for my team during our playoff push. I will learn and grow from this and do what's best for the team moving forward. And I see three ingredients to this, Chris. Immaturity is one of them. Intelligence or lack thereof is the other. And then there's just that notion of good old-fashioned entitlement. It's not like it used to be in the NFL 
pre-2011 when the players taken to the very top of the draft had contracts that were so massive and cap hits so extreme that they became untouchable. That was one of the reasons why the veteran players were so quick to embrace a rookie wage scale that knocked down what these guys made, even sure. though in a roundabout way it hurts the veterans because the, the higher the rookie salary, they parlay that into their second contract. It pulls the market up for everyone else, and they all potentially benefit. No, they were content to just say, we're done with these guys who come in here, these punks who come in here, and no one can talk to them and no one can get through to them right. because what are you going to do? Yeah. Cut me? Go ahead. Cut me. I got $60 million guaranteed. I'll wreak havoc on your salary cap. Go ahead and cut me. So I, I even though that's not to the same extent now, there's a certain element of that with Dwayne Haskins. He's got a fully guaranteed contract for four years. So between intelligence or lack thereof, maturity or lack thereof, and entitlement, it's a stew, and it creates this mess. And just as Washington was giving him an opportunity yeah. and maybe maybe building a trade market, now it all gets set back, and it's all on him. And it's a shame that he doesn't have the awareness to realize what – just you know, you always assume – that the photos are going to come you're out. You're being watched. They're going right. to, you, you, yeah, you're everywhere you go. You're, Big Brother is everywhere, and it's everywhere. all of us. It's not the government. It's all of us with these things. So I, I'm just stunned. And I know that he's young, and I know it's only his second year, but I'd like to think he would have picked something up, especially this year when they're being told over and over again where they can and can't go. Well, right. And, you know, you, you, get, you do get benched, and at one point you're not even dressing for football games. That should be a big, like – you know, blinking signal to go, man, wait, something's not right here. I need to fix myself and the situation and everything that's involved. And then, you know, even after that, when he was benched early in the year, there was some other, you know, immature things that he did along the way that I know that, that have happened down there in Washington. So, you know, th this was a chance. You know, yes, he threw the interceptions in the game against the Seattle Seahawks. We talked about it Monday, though. There was a lot of good things he did. I actually liked the way he looked. I thought, wow, you know, him if he, if he does have to start this week for, for Alex Smith, like Washington has a chance. He, he's, he's got a good feel for the game. He looked good. He made decent decisions throughout most of the game other than that, you know, second quarter interception. But this is just, yeah, reckless. Like, stupid. I don't know what else to say. And you're going to lose respect in the locker room. And this type of decision at this moment in December, playoff push, pandemic, strip club, after a loss, is like if he becomes a free agent or anything like that, this moment is going to go to every other team's head right away. And they're going to go, wait, he did that? Did he really? Do I really want that guy on my team? I mean, that, this, this Sunday, what he did is going to be the first thing anybody that thinks about signing him, they're going to think about that from all the aspects we've, we've already kind of talked about. Especially given the position he plays. Yes. It's easier to gloss over right. if you're a corner or a defensive lineman, linebacker, running back, whatever. You are the, the guy who is the heart and soul of the team. You are the leader of the team. You're the guy that needs to be counted on to show up early, stay late, influence teammates to make good decisions. How do you influence anyone to make good decisions when you have made such a bad decision at such a critical time in a critical season between the playoff push and the pandemic trying to hold it together? The NFL in so many ways is that car that is making its way to the finish line and there's a wheel that's coming off and the radiator's busted and the tailpipe's dragging and sparks are going everywhere, but it's going to make it. And Dwayne Haskins is behind the wheel just going wherever he wants to go with it. And it's amazing because there are so many stories like that that we know of and that we don't know of. I don't know how they've held this thing together, Chris, yeah. for as long as they have. And I think there's a certain amount of of good old-fashioned dumb luck that has helped because there are plenty of dumb guys who have done dumb things all year counter to what the NFL is trying to do to keep the train on the track. Yes, the, yes, you're right. But I think, you know, I think in totality, uh, it's been pretty good by the players and everybody. If they were out and about, and I know not everybody's a, you know, a household, you know, face and name and all of that, but... You know, I think anybody that's one of the top 10, 15 players on their roster, if they were out and about and in a bar and doing stuff like that, like it, it would get out. Like, so I, I just think we know for the most part what's gone on. And 
Yes, this is a stupid instance by Dwayne Haskins, and we've seen a few other by a few other teams and players and all of that. But I think for the most part, I, I give the players credit for what they've done this year. You know, I think from my friends I've talked to and coaches and just a few friends I know in the league, most locker rooms were all in on, hey, let's do the right thing. Let's get the hell out of the facility. Let's go home. Really try to do your best to limit, you know, interactions with the outside world. And I, I, I do want to give them credit. I do. And, and even then, when you consider how the pandemic continues to rage throughout the country, if I'd have known where it would stand today with the number of infections and deaths and the availability rate at ICUs and hospitals throughout the country, and most of us just kind of maybe we're blind to it because we're at home all the time and we only have this prism of, of information and we're selective about what we listen to and we can only take so much of it. But if we had known how bad it was going to be, we never would have dreamed that football would have held it together. So it is impressive, a collective effort yeah. that is strong enough to overcome the periodic stupidity right. that we have seen. Let's stay in Washington, Chris. There was a report yesterday from the Washington Post, and this is part of the ongoing legal fight between Daniel Snyder, the majority owner of the team, and his limited partners who have been trying to get out. They're trying to sell. Snyder is throwing a wrench into that. He thinks that there are members of his limited partnership who are trying to make him look bad to force him to sell, yada, yada, yada. The bottom line is a 2009 settlement has come to light involving a claim of sexual misconduct against Snyder, an incident that allegedly happened on a private plane back from Las Vegas for a country music award show. 1.6 million reportedly paid on this confidential or not agreement. I don't know who leaked it, but this reminds me of the Jerry Richardson situation in Carolina three years ago this month, where four different people who had signed confidentiality agreements in the past breached them. And the former lawyer in me is horrified by this because you negotiate these deals. Part of the reason you get the money is you are going to be silent. And if you don't want to be silent, don't take the money. That's one of the most important things you're giving to the person who's paying to settle this case. Right. We're going to make it go away. I'm not going to have to deal with it coming out. I don't have to go to court. This is the money you get in exchange for giving me these things. And the silence is one of the most important because it can create serious complications, professional, personal, across the board. It could force you to have to sell your team if people find out about it. Now, the reporter in me and the owner and operator of a media outlet in me says, all information is good. Let's get it all out there. Let's have the public discussion. It's in the public interest to know about what these individuals are doing. The problem is, if it's all out there, no one's ever going to settle these cases. They're going to have to go to court, and they're going to have to fight if they want justice because no one's going to have the incentive to write that gigantic check because they know they're not going to get silence. Right. So they're not going to buy silence. They're not going to buy anything. They're going to say, we'll see you in court, and they're going to unleash the lawyers, and they're going to make it difficult and stressful and protracted. So that's where I'm kind of torn on all of this. That's assuming, in this case, that the information came from the individual. It's entirely possible one of these limited partners. Well, that's what I was going to say. Somebody else black. Right. Some other disgruntled employee of Daniel Snyder over the past 10 years, of which there surely are many, knew about it and said something. You speak to a reporter under the condition of anonymity, you're golden. How are they going to figure out it was you? Now, Snyder may try. He's trying to figure out who blabbed to a website that tried to link him to Jeffrey Epstein, and there's litigation all over the world on that. So you, you got to tread lightly if you're going to drop a dime on Daniel Snyder, but we don't know who leaked it. The bottom line now, Chris, is it's out there. It and is. And the NFL is going to have to deal with it. And we saw what happened with Jerry Richardson three years ago. Right. He ended up selling the team. This could be the first domino, depending upon what the NFL finds as it investigates this situation from 2009. They could end up deciding to take significant and extreme action against Daniel Snyder. At this point, it's too early to know, but that could be the path where this is going. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, ugly, ugly day for the Washington football team yesterday. I mean, that's where it has to start. Owner, quarterback, I mean, not good stories to have around your football team, definitely. I mean, with with the Daniel Snyder situation, I mean, the first thing I thought of, Mike, was just that, oh, one of these, you know, part-time or not part-time owners, part owners, minority owners, whatever that is, you know, the, the, they, they had this information and they released it. That was my first thought. Uh, at least, but the, I mean, it, okay. Yeah. I mean the lawyer in you, 
I'm with you. These settlements seem like done. They're a thing of the past. I don't even understand that. Okay, that's just the first thing I'll say. How did, did does that person have to pay back some of the million, one point six million dollar they got? Like, I mean, that if only, you can prove it, if you can prove it, right? And, and look, Which is and, very hard and, to and do. I've negotiated dozens of these. Yeah, there's a clause in there, and it's a liquidated damages provision that basically says it's impossible to determine the financial harm of this confidentiality provision being breached. So if it's proven that it is, you have to pay back all of it, half of it, whatever, whatever number they yeah. negotiate. And and I, I remember plenty of sleepless nights worrying about a client who may have run his or her mouth in, in a direct or indirect way. I, I had one guy call me up trying to pitch me on representing him, and he said, well, you know, my buddy is so-and-so, and he told me he couldn't tell you what he got, but he gave me a ride in his new car, and I've seen his new motorcycle. I mean, that kind of, I mean, what do you do? It makes you nervous yeah. that somebody's going to say something because we all want to tell secrets. We all want to impress our friends, and it does make you nervous. And if it does come out and it can be traced back to you, you've got a problem, and you have to, may have to pay back the money. Good luck proving it, though. That's the reality. How do you ultimately prove it? Now, in this day and age, if people are passing around the information on one of these, yeah, then you, you got a problem, out. right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, but, 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 and, and anybody, and, and anybody else may walk away from this. Snyder is not going to walk away from this. Well, that's Snyder's going to want to find out who did this. Well, yeah. I mean, really, like, you know, who did it, whatever, doesn't matter. Damage is done. You know, in the court of public opinion, here we go. All the rumors and things we heard about in the spring. All right, and all those things. What's true? What's careful, not? Careful, careful, careful. I know. Careful. I'm just. I'm saying. I don't. I don't want to be representing you in a lawsuit with Daniel Snyder. So, uh, just, well, just don't worry. I'll that. call a better lawyer. That. Don't worry. Don't you worry. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> thanks. You'll call a more expensive one too. <laughs> yes, exactly. A far more expensive one. <laughs> but no, I'm. I, I'm. I'm not trying to say any of those allegations are true or anything. What I'm trying to say though is the casual football fan or whoever that's out there is just going to see that from yesterday and go, Oh, well, some of that stuff in the spring must be true. Then. I mean, there, there it goes. There's the confirmation. It's just, it's a bad culture around there. There's something wrong, you know, and that's really the problem. What comes out yesterday is it just, whether it's true or not, some people are going to see it and move on with life and just go, Oh, that confirmed what I thought about the football team. And that's things for Daniel Snyder and the Washington football team. And Chris, I think Snyder had found a way to create this balance, whether it was effective or not, where there's a bad culture in the organization, but he's kind of an absentee landlord and he's not part of it and it's other people. And there wasn't anything that directly pierced through to him. Remember that first report we were waiting for that that had been creating buzz about what's going to be in it. And that's what sparked this this story that that tried to link him to Jeffrey Epstein and has triggered all this litigation all over the world to get to the bottom of who was telling these lies about Daniel Snyder, what their motivation is, subpoena after subpoena after subpoena. And then it wasn't until the story about the video with the outtakes from the cheerleader shoots, and that's when it started to kind of close in on Snyder a little bit. Now you have this issue. The NFL's got a problem here, and that independent investigator who I never thought would be independent because Daniel Snyder hired Beth Wilkinson to be the investigator. The league took over the investigation and his worst nightmare very well may be that she is behaving independently and she is going to get to the bottom of this and it is going to create a mess for Daniel Snyder where he ultimately may have to sell the team. And oh, look, what, hey, your punishment is you get $5 billion for your asset. You know, that Jerry Richardson got a couple of billion. Yeah. Donald Sterling, when he had to sell, he got billions right. for the Clippers. Steve Ballmer bought them for $2 billion, I think, which was a ridiculous amount at the time. But what, what do you do? You can't take the franchise away from the guy. You're forcing him out. He's going to sell it for whatever it's worth. And if that's what happens, that's what happens. And the punishment is taking that, that point of pride, that thing that the person wants to keep away from them and that may be what happens we don't know at this point it's too early to tell but i think once they investigate exactly what happened on that plane or what's alleged to have happened on that plane and if they get the facts and if snyder allows them 
to speak to the person if the person cooperates. It it, it could spiral out of control. I, I would think so. I mean, I you know, it, it certainly seems like it's you know teetering on the edge right now. The NFL can't be happy about this. I mean, come on, you know, this is one of the thirty-two owners of the league, basically having a lot of issues and a lot of bad talk that of course, reflects poorly on the shield and all of those issues, whether they're true or not. I mean, we know sometimes that stuff just sticks either way. So, yeah, I, I mean, this this doesn't seem like this assault on Daniel Snyder is going to stop anytime soon, Mike. I mean, whoever is out to get him, whoever it is, I mean, there seems to be, you know, a, a consistency in trying to attack him and not going to not going to let it die down or, or let it go you know, a long period of time without throwing something out there. And that's that's got to be troubling to the NFL that there might be more stories to come or who knows what else is out there. And we are three years removed from the original Jerry Richardson incident where we became aware of these confidential settlements. And I remember thinking at the time that there surely are more. Mark Leibovich, in his book, Big Game, the NFL in Dangerous Times, he has a passage in there where he talks about how the NFL fears that this is the tip of the iceberg. I'm surprised that three years later, this is the only one we know about because large profitable businesses get sued all the time. Just because you've been sued doesn't mean you've done anything. And just because you've settled a case doesn't necessarily mean you've done anything. There right. are plenty of motivations to settle. Now, when you're talking about 1.6 million, the message that gets sent is something, something at least close to happened. the line. Right. Something at least close to the line. Right. Something that falls into that range of where reasonable minds may differ and a jury could find against you. There's there's an argument that's been made to the person involved that you have reason to not fight this tooth and nail because you could, you could lose the case. So, you know, hey, if, if you think it's frivolous, then fight it. If you think there's no merit, then defend yourself. And, and see, that's the difference between the scorched earth campaign we're seeing from Snyder as it relates to the false story trying to link him to Jeffrey Epstein. Let's be clear, that was false. We never touched it. We never mentioned it. We never got close to it. I knew it was it was a a a, a, a flaming hot potato right. from the moment I first saw that someone was talking about this in kind of a reckless, irresponsible, and uh, potentially liable for a lot of money way. But in that case, Snyder's in the right. If he does try to aggressively get to the bottom of who blabbed. There's still this sense of, well, maybe he did something here. He paid $1.6 million. So, you know, the more you push this one, the more you remind people that you paid $1.6 exactly. million for right. something. So this is going to be a tough one for him. He's wired, by all appearances, to just kind of knee-jerk litigate and flood people with paper. And you've got the lawyers that you can afford, and you just get overwhelmed, and you learn a valuable lesson, as does anyone else who may cross you in the future. So, look, it's not a good posture for the team. The league's got to figure out what happened, and we could find out, I don't know, days, weeks, months down the road that there is a significant consequence for Daniel Snyder. There's a consequence of some sort floating around for Juju Smith-Schuster in the aftermath of Monday night's loss to the Cincinnati Bengals and that giant hit from Vaughn Bell that was clearly motivated by Bell's frustration and the Bengals' frustration with Juju's pregame TikTok dancing on the logo of the opposing team. Let's hear from Coach Mike Tomlin Tuesday, meeting with the media and talking about the Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on the logo controversy. I am aware of it, and I do plan to talk to Juju, um, but we're professionals. I, I doubt any of those antics and things of that nature are, are legitimate motivating factors uh, as you step into professional stadiums. Um, but it's about respect, and, and so we'll have a conversation uh, but I understand it's about the quality of play inside the white lines. And so I'm not seeking comfort or looking for excuses uh, based on our recent performances on things that occur in pregame or things of that nature uh, that are social media related. It is astounding to me. And I love Mike Tomlin as a coach, Chris. It is astounding to me that he would downplay the extent to which it motivates opponents when the opponents are saying 
it motivated us. And the evidence shows that hit that Von Bell applied to Juju Smith-Schuster while fully within the rules had some extra mustard on it by virtue of the fact that Von Bell was pissed off. Sorry, London. Merry Christmas. By the hit or by the dancing. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Right. Obviously. So, yeah. I uh, come on, Mike. Come on, Mike. It's okay. It's okay to admit that maybe you should have seen this coming and maybe you should have intervened before it led to a tone setter hit that may have cost you a game. It's okay to acknowledge that maybe, just maybe, you misread this one and should have said to Juju, probably not the smartest thing for you to do without the evidence having to to unfold for all of us to see. Well, it, it, it's, I mean, I, I hear you, Mike. I do, I do. Now, you know, it, it's hard because, first off, they went 11-0 with him doing this, right? So it's, it's like, okay, well, I, you know, the first 11 teams saw him do this, and it wasn't a thing. But it really didn't catch fire as far as I feel like publicly until what? three, four weeks ago. So it wasn't a thing where I think other teams were looking for it, you know, in week four or five or six. All right. The other first I knew of it was the Bills game, the Sunday night football game. Exactly right. I I think I knew about it maybe a week or two before that because of my kids. I mean, my little boy, he follows Juju Smith-Schuster on TikTok. So he was the one that first kind of showed me, uh, you know, the, the little routine he did. And I didn't think really anything of it. You know, I've seemed harmless. He's, you know, in shorts and a T-shirt and doing that. You know, the other aspect of this is, and we've talked about this with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tomlin a lot. Hey, they, they, it's a fine line with them. They have a little bit of a renegade-ish, right, attitude and player that they attract there in Pittsburgh. So this is the way they kind of play a little too. Hey, we're Pittsburgh. We're in your face. Screw you. We're going to be here. We're going to hit you. We're going to hit you in the mouth, and that's the way we play football. That is part of it. But – I think to your point, and like, you know, for me, it's become a thing now. It's become a distraction. You know, I think he's thinking about it. Obviously, the other teams are thinking about it. Cincinnati made a lot of comments in the in the newspaper last week in the media about it. So they were ready for it and obviously wanted to let, you know, him know where they were on the field and by the logo and all those type of things. So I would think they find a compromise, Tomlin and Juju here, where, hey, you can dance, but enough of the logo thing. Like, find a new place on the field to do it to where the other team doesn't become disrespected and we can move on, or just don't do it at all. You're right that they're renegade-ish. They play renegade at selected games, start of the fourth quarter, gets everybody fired up. They are a rough-and-tumble bunch. They are. Physicality is still part of football, and they embrace that. And that's the irony of this situation, assuming I'm using the word correctly, and I still never know whether I am, that they had the physicality brought yeah, to them. You're right. Back to where we started with unforced errors. This entire thing was an unforced error. And the mistake for Mike Tomlin, and I know that he tries to craft the right relationship with his players to get the most out of them while letting them be themselves, and other coaches who have to deal with his players when they leave marvel at what Tomlin is able to do with some of these guys because when they get them in their locker room, they're like, how in the hell am I going to get through to this guy? How did Mike Tomlin do it? Tomlin knows how to do it. But in this one, there was a blind spot. There was there was an underestimation of the impact of that dance routine on a teammate. And they probably also thought, who gives a crap if the Bengals are upset? They're the Bengals. I agreed. I think they thought, well, okay, we've lost two it's the Bengals. This is going to kind of show that we're not backing down from anybody. He was trying to probably keep the attitude of his team, yeah, positive. And that, you know, renegade, tough, Blitzburg-type attitude that they play with, you know, there. But, yeah, it's backfired. And I'll tell you, like, what did it for me, too, I'll tell you, is Juju Smith-Schuster, I, I, I'm, he fumbled and he was on the sideline and he was talking about it. I'm almost positive. So if he's sitting there – talking about it on the sideline that to me is when you know like it's gone too far you're it's the first quarter of a football game and you're talking about your dance on the logo like I think that's a distraction so let's move on and not do it anymore all right let's move on to a segment that we do every Wednesday but we're doing it in a spot where we can spend more time on it because it is Festivus we have to have a proper airing of grievances and I've got a long list and one or two of them may involve Chris Sims you'll find out after this on the FT Live 
Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Yesterday was flat out embarrassing. You ever go to the dentist, Vic, and have to have your teeth pulled out? You know, it's pretty much like that. They can catch the ball or they can get replaced by those that will catch it. Have a freaking sense of urgency. Know where we're at. Have some pride into who we're playing for and why we do this. I mean, we, no, I, honestly, I, Vic, like, could I have done any better? Of course I could have done better. We ticked off. You know, don't nobody like losing. That was one of the worst football games I've ever been a part of. In my 30 years in the National Football League. I don't think it's a question you'll ask Derrick Henry or anybody else. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a running back. I know wearing down. It's gotten so really jacked up of how the catch rule is. Somebody that's sitting back watching this probably hadn't thrown a football in his life gets to call it. But do you attribute that to anything in particular? Us uh, sucking. You can find a smart Alec bus driver in Kansas City who made some snide comments when we got on the bus. Maybe that's why we drove around the stadiums to tick him off. You know, this is ridiculous. Next question. Well, I could just watch that for 20 minutes instead of that us. That was a good one. That's they better than that's better than anything we say. <laughs> just roll just roll coaches and players upset at press conferences. Uh, although you would eventually run out of content, but that was enough there to whet our appetite as to what we have coming now. It is festive. It's December 23, the fake holiday from the fake TV show that has endured unlike anything from the nine seasons of Seinfeld, the Frank Costanza invented day as a rebellion against Christmas and all of the various uh commercial aspects of it. I don't know what I don't know what it was that made him upset about Christmas. I think it was something about a doll he was trying to get for George or something like that. I need to I go can't remember anymore either. Yes. But anyway, every Wednesday we air grievances, especially during the season. And Chris, we have allotted some extra time today since it is Festivus. And I will give you the honors, both with the feats of strength, that'll come later, and for now, the airing of grievance. All right. Well, I, I think the, the uh, mine's easy, okay? I know you got some, like, ready to go. But this is just purely, like, a football one that's bothering me here down the stretch. And it's something that, like, Pete Demolitolitis, right, texted about a little on our text chain the other day, which is the seven teams in the playoffs. I really like it, okay? It's cool. It has added another little element to this whole thing. But I'll tell you what I really don't like. One of the unintended consequences, at least, or not unintended, but maybe something we didn't talk about or realize how much flair it adds to the end of the season conversation is the fact that we don't have a number two home seed, a number two seed with the first round by getting that home playoff game race. That was another race that was fun to watch down the stretch. I mean, again, let's not forget, does Kansas City get to the Super Bowl last year if they don't win on week 17 and the and the Patriots lose to the Dolphins. I don't know. You know, that chance that they got that number two seed and skipped the wild card game and got their time to rest, that certainly set them up. And what I just feel like this year, it would be an unbelievable year for, for the race for the number two seed right now. I mean, you look at it, really, and the NFC, okay, yeah, it's it's a pretty good race. The AFC, the whole the whole damn conference could fight for the number two seed that's in the playoffs right now. 
I mean, everybody would be involved in that conversation. I'm worried we're going to get to week 17 and have no meaningful football games. That, that's what I'm really worried about, that maybe we have won or something like that. But I think there's a good chance we get there, and especially a year with no fans, where everybody's going to be like, yeah, there's really nothing to play for. It's good. It's good. I'm glad we got another, you know, 17th week, but nobody's playing for anything. And, and if we had that number two seed with the first round by, there would be definitely something to play for, and we'd see better football week 17. So that's something that's uh, annoying me a little bit. And that's a good point. Our focus is the one seed in each conference and which wildcard teams are going to get in in each division, some or each conference, excuse me, somebody's going to be omitted. And there's there's only so many chairs and there's one but too many of quality chairs in each conference. But once we get past the one seed, between the one seed and the seventh seed, right. to me it's just kind of this vague gulf of I don't care. We'll figure exactly. that out later. It doesn't matter, right. especially this year. Where home field advantage doesn't matter. Who cares who's going to be two, three, four, five, six? What matters is who's going to be one and who's going to be seven. And everything else in between, it's not worth the time to give yourself a headache figuring it all out because there's no significant benefit for there's any not. of those teams between two and six. No. Yeah, we, we could sit here. Look at the Dolphins. I mean, the Colts, they're 10 and four. We could be talking about, hey, the, the Colts are still, you know, capable of getting the number two seed and getting a first round bye at this and they're the number six seed right now. That would add a lot of intrigue and things. It's just one of the things I think was a little bit of an unintended consequence. And maybe that's where now the NFL will be able to play. Let's go to eight-team playoff and go back to the first top two teams get the bye. And now we still have the same wild card format that we'll have this year. And that seems eventually where it's going to go, as you predicted a long time ago. Yeah, but I think when they go to eight teams per conference, no one gets a bye. We'd have to sit down and think about how to do this where you add playoff teams and also preserve gotcha. buys. It may get more complicated that way. You may ultimately need more teams in the NFL to have a playoff field that would be expanded and that would preserve those buys. But I think that's a great point, and I think we're realizing that as we look ahead to Week 17 – we the, the top seed races are probably going to be resolved. Yeah. And there, there, there may just be one or two, if we're lucky. Pittsburgh-Cleveland right now is looking like it might be the maybe. only game. that Yeah, maybe, right. right. But they're both getting in. It's yeah. not like there's going to be a playoff elimination game. It's just do you win the division or are you a wild card? And this year it doesn't matter. If the loser is out, right, if there's a chance and, – and between the Browns, Ravens, and Colts, one of those teams could possibly miss the playoffs with an 11-5 and record, which would only be the second time that's happened since they expanded the playoffs to 12 teams in 1990. And you wouldn't think that the first year they go to 14, an 11-5 and team doesn't make it. But it could happen. Um, and and I, I guess in theory, if the Steelers would win this weekend and the Browns would lose next weekend there's a way that they potentially get out and and the, and the Steelers could deliver the knockout blow for the Browns but that could be the thing that opens the door for the Ravens I don't know if you're the Steelers I mean, you'd rather play the Browns than the Ravens in the postseason but anyway they're, they're, it's still all kind of vague and it's not really crystallized and I don't know how much is even going to be there after this week there may be a chance that all 16 games in week 17 we look at and say they really don't decide anything this year yeah. and maybe that's just randomness maybe next year it'll be different but uh, you're right. To get back to your point, not having that buy, that second buy, really takes away one of the things that we would be focused on, and it would be fascinating in both conferences. All right, first one for me, and and this was one that that just popped up last night with the news that Josh Gordon will not be joining the Seahawks after all because he failed to comply with one of the terms of his plan for reentry to the NFL as it relates to the use of substances that aren't PEDs. Remember, this is a substance abuse policy that focuses only on street drugs, marijuana and related substances that players aren't allowed to use in their free time, even though they have up to seven months of free time, depending upon whether or not they're going to be involved in the offseason program. And the problem I've had with this, Chris, and this goes back to when I practiced law, there was always a fine line as to how far an employer could go or should go when policing the private life of an employee. And to me, this is so far over the line. And the problem is, because such a prominent employer like the NFL does it, other people think every employer does it. Other people think it's okay because yeah. the NFL does it. 
I made an observation about it last night, that it's a shame the NFL still feels compelled to police the private lives of players when it comes to substances that have nothing to do with their actual or expected work performance. And so many of the responses on Twitter were, everybody does it. Everybody does it. No, they don't. That's insane. No, they don't. No, they That's don't. That's insane. No, they exactly don't do right. it. You're right. But, but people become conditioned because the NFL is trampling, frankly, in all due respect, on the private lives of these individuals. You have other people out there, if they're working for an employer that decides to do the same damn thing, maybe the manager gets what? inspired by what the NFL is doing, then, hey, it's fine with us. Half of okay. Wall Street would have to it. go by the uh, one of the <laughs> biggest, best, biggest institutions in our country would have to go by the wayside if they had the rules in the NFL. You guys can't trade our money anymore. Are you kidding me? All these things we found in your systems? So, yes. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I, just, I, I thought we had gotten there with – and, and I'm going to expand my, my grievance a little bit to cover the NFLPA because when they revised the latest CBA, one of the benefits for the players is there would be no future suspensions under the substance abuse policy. Now, you'd have to pay some money. You could get fined, but you're never going to be prevented from playing just for testing positive. If you deliberately fail to comply with your treatment plan, then they can suspend you. But it's not like it used to be. The only problem is you had guys out there who were kind of floating around who had been suspended under the old rules, indefinitely, Alden Smith and Randy Gregory and Josh Gordon and Martavis Bryant, they didn't make any allowance for these guys to get back in. So they had to go through the old path. Some of them got back in. Gordon's not getting back in. It's just a damn shame because it has nothing to do with his job performance. This is his big brother, father knows best, the war on drugs from 40 years ago. It's all outdated. And I just think the NFL is out of line. And the NFL is hurting itself in keeping talented football players off the field. Yeah. So I got a problem with it. Chris. Yeah, I, well, I, I hear that. I do think you're right. I mean, I think they're they're keeping a lot of the, uh, you know, talented football players who can make the league better for, you know, again, some of these some of these things have been serious through the years with players and all that. But for the most part, no, like you're saying. Most businesses wouldn't even blink an eye at what some guys have been suspended for in the NFL or would never even know that their 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 employee employer uh, employee or anybody does anything like that. Uh, I do think that sometimes it, it crosses the line a little bit here. There's no doubt. And hey, I want Josh Gordon to be healthy and everything to be good in his life and everything go the right direction, um, which it seems like it is. I just hope it's yeah, not some trivial little part of this that's like oh he missed um he missed one session with his therapist that we thought was necessary for him to go see you know once a week and now that's why he didn't like you know fulfill the conditions of the reinstatement if it's something like that that would really piss me off sorry london oh and, and maybe th thank you and maybe he would be better off if he had the structure of a football team if he had employment if he had yeah. gainful employment and and people could be around him and they could be a positive influence I, i'm amazed he doesn't have more issues when he's left to his own devices and cast away from the seahawks or any other team all right let's uh let's see what else you got yeah no, no, that there, was mine one i know you got two though right. so i want to hear the second I, one. yeah well i got i actually got i had to, i came up with another one today it may have to wait for another time though i i, I have uh two things related to the looming search for coaches. One is a corollary to what we always hear during college games about how, oh, we're going to see that guy on Sunday next year. Oh, we're going to see that guy on Sunday. And we've talked about that in the past. Right. It's ridiculous. All these guys that we're supposed to see on Sunday, there'd be 64 teams in the NFL if all those guys made it to Sunday. They <laughs> don't. But I, I, I don't know why it happens. I don't get it. I, but it happens. The same dynamic plays out as we get closer and closer to filling these coaching jobs, specifically the coaching jobs. And, and I'm not going to name names here because I don't want to imply that I believe the person isn't suited to be a head coach. But my God, every game you watch, it seems like one of the assistant coaches involved in the game is a hot coaching candidate who will have a job next year. Folks, there's only so many of these jobs to go around. No, they won't have a job next year. Chances are they won't because there's only three openings right now, and we don't know how many more they're going to be. Maybe there'll be two more. Maybe there'll be five. There's a hell of a lot more than five guys whose names I've heard over the past five weeks as guys who are definitely going to be head coaches next year, Chris. And I don't know whether people in the media are doing that just to buddy up to people. It promotes access. Hey, I said good things about you. you know. And it may be part of that, that game that plenty of people in our business play, but it just bugs me. 
I because get I could rattle off a list of 15 guys who I've been told are going to be head coaches next year. Well, a lot of guys are going to have to get fired if all those guys are going to be coaches next year. No, no it is crazy, Mike. And then, like, I'll just say my, my two cents on that, these, like, you know, conversations or these, you know, public storms of this guy's going to be the head coach. This guy, it's all started by the coaches. So that that's where I, like, we, we want to blame the media and sometimes and guys like you and me and we're talking about it. No. The coaches are the ones that start these little like media pushes for themselves. It's part of the the game outside the game here. And that's really where I think it happens, Mike, because, you know, one, let's just say you're an offensive coordinator. He starts to, you know, get his name out there, tells his agent, hey, I want to get my name involved in this. He calls the right people to do that. The local writer that's following the team, now he's been informed and he puts it out there. Now the TV crew that's going to follow the game that week, they read the local news, right? And, oh, hey, you know, Johnny from this newspaper wrote about, hey, the offensive coordinators, he might be a head coach, and then it becomes a talking point. You're right. But it's really, to me, the root of it starts with the, the coaches selling themselves to the media and their friends to get their name out there and start it that way, which, you know, I don't know if a lot of people really realize that's how it starts. And people in the media willingly comply yes, because of course. it gets them a friend who will give them information and access. And we've seen that play out with certain coaches who, you know, never should have been coaches in the first place. But you have one good friend in the media who will bang the drum for you. It helps you get a coaching job. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, as it turns out, Tom Brady has a little Tom Petty in him. We'll discuss that <laughs> next funny. year on Pro Football Talk Live. It was in the sheets. I didn't come up with it. So, uh, this was a tweet yesterday from Tom Brady pointing out the 2014 AFC finalist banner that is still hanging at Lucas Oil Stadium. It was a response to Coach Dungy on a podcast with Shannon Sharp saying that Brady was not one of the top five quarterbacks that Dungy feared most because he lacked mobility. And that's a fair take from Coach Dungy and it just seems odd to me, although it's refreshing to me, that Tom Brady is sufficiently petty that he would post, Chris, an image of a banner that was won six years after Tony Dungy left the Colts organization as his clapback at Dungy for providing his honest assessment of where Brady ranked among the quarterbacks that gave him heartburn. I, it's amazing to me, oh. but I love it. It's amazing. Well, it's it's what I've you know you've heard me say it before. I mean, yeah, superstars and 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 guys like Tom Brady can be very insecure individuals, very. And I mean, obviously, there's some of that here. There's no doubt. Makes no sense. I mean, it, to me, it makes me think that you know he's got somebody who's managing a social media account who knows nothing about football and just went, wait, we beat the Colts in the AFC championship game one year. Oh, I didn't know Dungy wasn't coaching then. That's what it seems like happened, but still ridiculous. Well, either way, welcome to the same pettiness the rest of us have. Tom Brady, we'll be right back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Three great words. Free Fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Bottom up, up, up. Bell one time on Fridays at participating McDonald's through 12 31 24. Excludes tax, must up to rewards.